Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. We're talking business now with Mike Moyer, the author of Slicing Pie Handbook, Perfectly Fair Equity Splits for Bootstrapped Startups. Mike is a serial entrepreneur who has started several companies from scratch himself. He's also joined several startup companies. He's helped others start companies, and he's raised millions of dollars of startup capital, and he's completed that full cycle by helping to sell startup companies. Mike shares his entrepreneurial experience by teaching entrepreneurship at Northwestern University and the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Mike talks with us about his new book in which he discusses fair equity models for startups and early stage companies. Welcome, Mike. Hello, thank you for having me. This is a really old problem. How, how do you split up the equity in a startup? And Slicing Pie, your new book, is a new way of thinking about this very old problem. Talk to us about what the slicing pie model is. How would you best describe it? Well, as you said, it, it, this is a huge pervasive problem in the startup world. It's an area of business that for, for whatever reason, most people just get straight up wrong. Conventional thinking is just incorrect because the conventional thinking is based on predictions about future events. People think about what they're going to offer a startup, how much it's going to be worth, what the startup's going to be worth. They, they, they predict future events which are unpredictable. And one thing I've found over the years is fairness is not a matter of opinion. It's a matter of facts. There's only one version of fair that exists. So if we're siblings and our dad gives, gives us a cookie, right? So how do we split it up? Equal. Equal, because you both paid equal amounts of nothing to get it. So there's no other way to think about that. What Slicing Pie does is it helps you figure out what the fair model is by treating the startup like a bet. So imagine we're going to play blackjack together as a team, not as opponents, as a team. And we agree to split the winnings 50-50 because we're friends. We go to Las Vegas and we each put a dollar on the same hand of blackjack. We don't know if we're going to win. We don't know how long it's going to take to win. We don't know how much we're going to win. All we know for sure is that we each bet a dollar. So the dealer deals two aces. And blackjack, we split the aces and double down, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm out of money and you're not. So you bet two more dollars to cover our bets so now you've bet three dollars and i've only bet a dollar the future is still unknowable we can't know how much we're going to win or how long it's going to take to win or if we're going to win but what we know for certain is that you bet three dollars and i bet a dollar if we win does a 50 50 split sound fair nope should be 75 25 right yeah one sounds like they have more risk right so you bet three times as much as i did so you deserve three times the winnings that's a logical, obvious, unambiguous conclusion that your share of the winnings should be based on your share of the bets. So startups are exactly the same thing, except for instead of betting on cards, we're betting on ideas. And we're betting our time, our money, our facilities, our supplies, our equipment. We're betting the fair market value of our contributions. Whenever you contribute to a startup and you're not paid, that non-paid portion is essentially a bet on the startup. And the betting continues until the company can afford to pay you. 
what slicey pie does is keep track of the bets and divides up equity based on that. I have seen so many startups give away equity for services that they don't have enough startup capital to purchase. For example, I'll give you such and such amount of equity in my new company if you'll build my website. What do you say to things like that? Well, it's horrible because that percentage is, is an unknowable amount. It's, no matter what amount you pick, you know, 10%, 5%, 20%, pick a number, it's going to be wrong because that implies the person is going to do exactly 20% of what it takes to get to the end goal, which is creating an asset. So I had a company once where I gave away 35% of the equity to build the software and the guy never did it. So I had to wrestle him to get the equity back. Then I figured it was really hard to build the software. So I gave the next guy 75% of the equity to build the software. He did it in two weeks. So here I was with somebody who owned 75% of my company and I was supposed to do all the rest of the work, market it and finance it and sell it. And it just wasn't worth it. So bad startup deals often lead to the disintegration of a corporate team and failure of a company. Are there any situations in which the cash isn't the determinant? Uh, in other words, you use the example of somebody in a blackjack game putting up $3 versus the other person $1. So if I put up $30,000 in a company and somebody else puts up $20,000, as you said, there's a very logical assumption to make about the split. But if somebody doesn't put up as much money, is there ever a situation in which that person could end up with the controlling interest? There's two basic kinds of contributions. There are cash contributions, which require cash out of your pocket, unreimbursed expenses, petty cash, things like that, or, or chunk lump sums of investment. The other kind of contribution is non-cash. So things that don't require cash out of your pocket are non-cash. So things like time, ideas, certain facilities, and things like that don't require cash out of pocket. If you're putting cash into a company and you're, and you're not getting paid, you're betting both non-cash and cash. If you pay yourself out of your own funds, you're simply running money through the company and incurring employment taxes and income taxes. So as a general rule, if you can afford to put in cash, you shouldn't take the time out. You shouldn't get paid, pay yourself. But over time, whoever has the biggest amount of bets is the biggest shareholder in the company. So for instance, most people simply work for a living. They get paid a salary, they show up to work, they do their job and they go home and they don't expect any equity. So if you're a founder and you spend and you pay all your people, you pay them all salary, you don't owe them any equity. But if you're not paying them in full, you owe them a share of the, the rewards later on. So that would be considered sweat equity. We hear that term a lot. Sweat equity is, is the work you contribute without getting paid. And how is that valued against straight up cash? Is it equal? Let's say the going rate for the services that I'm providing as an employee would be X amount of an annual salary. I'm foregoing that for six months. So let's just say a hundred thousand to make it easy math. So it'll be $50,000 then that I'm giving up in salary. Does that equate dollar for dollar to the startup capital that the owner may have put in? I'm making a $50,000 bed of unpaid capital, unpaid compensation. It's a non-cash contribution. A $50,000 cash investment is a little bit different. If I paid you $100 an hour to work for me and you wanted to buy something that cost $100, it would take you more than an hour to earn enough money. Because when I paid you, I'd pay employment taxes and social security taxes. When you receive the money, you pay employment tax, income taxes. And when you buy the thing, you pay sales tax or VAT tax. So it may take you two hours to earn enough money. For that reason, I apply a multiplier to the bets, 2x for, for non-cash and 4x for cash. So I use a term called a slice. A slice is a fictional unit of at-risk contribution. It's kind of like a poker chip in, in Las Vegas. So for every dollar in cash you put in, you get four slices in the pie. 
And for every dollar in non-cash, you get two slices in the pie. You keep track of your slices over time, and then at a given time, your share is equal to your slices divided by all the slices. The things you keep track of are the things you keep track of anyway. Most companies track their, their payroll and their expenses. These are things that most companies do normally. In slicing pie, you simply track those things that you don't spend versus the things that you do spend. What are some of the gotchas or maybe red flags to equity being used as compensation? I'm thinking in particular of a situation where somebody might come on and not be paid a salary. They'll forego their salary in order to get the equity in the company. But it's taking too long for the company to generate enough revenue. You know, maybe maybe they agreed on a six-month situation, but now we're into the eighth month and they're still not getting paid. And they say, I love your concept. That's why I got involved, but I, I can't keep working for nothing. When they leave, what happens? Are they still owed equity? Or, I mean, how does that impact the company? That's the beauty of the logic behind slicing pie. It always provides the answer no, no matter what happens. There's four reasons why someone can leave a company. The first one is they can be fired for cause. Fired for cause means you do something very negligent, like you embezzlement or sexual harassment or bring a gun to work. Those are obvious termination reasons. The most likely termination for cause is not doing your job. And in slicing pie, it's, it's warning, warning, fire. You gotta have a warning before you get fired so you have an opportunity to correct your behavior. The second reason to get fired is just fired for no reason. So as a manager, I can fire whoever I want. In the US, it's at will employment. I can fire someone whenever I want. The third reason you can leave is you can resign for good reason. Resigning for good reason implies what you just said. So you might, the company might have made a promise to an individual that it couldn't keep. So I might have said, I'll pay you in six months. Six months rolls around, I can't pay you. You have now have good reason to resign. Or maybe I'm based in Kansas City, I'm relocating to Seattle, you know, pack your bags. We you take your kids out of school, that's not what you signed up for. So you have good reason to resign. The fourth reason is you can resign for no good reason, which means you resign for your own reasons. So I just don't believe in the company anymore, I wanna quit, or I got a better job somewhere else and I wanna quit, or I can't afford to work for free anymore, so I quit. And if you get fired for cause or you terminate for no cause, you would lose your bets. You're walking away from your bets. Just like if you're walking away from the table in Las Vegas, you'd lose your bets. So you lose your slices for non-cash contributions. Any cash contributions you make just convert to a cash loan. That provides a penalty for people making those decisions of their behavior to behave in a way that's not supportive of the company. On the flip side, if you're terminated for no cause or you resign for good cause, you keep your bet on the table. Your slices stay in the pie. They'll continue to dilute as more slices are added later on by others, but your bet is protected. So no matter what decisions are made or what outcomes happen, your slices are always protected based on the decisions you make, which follows basic logic of fairness. You talk in your book, Slicing Pie, about a grunt fund. Talk to us about what that is. There's actually two Slicing Pie books out there. One is called Slicing Pie, and one is called the Slicing Pie Handbook. In Slicing Pie, I use the term grunt fund to describe the model itself, the, the way you fund it. A grunt is somebody who works hard for the startup for, for, for no pay. That's grunt work. In the Slicing Pie Handbook, I moved away from that term because it's hard to translate. In Polish, it was pig money. So I, I removed that term from the, from the later books to make it easier to translate. The book has been translated into about a dozen different languages and is used all over the world. And Grunt Fund is used widely in the United States to describe this model. But now I just refer to it as the Slicing Pie model. Okay, so basically, it's the same thing. Yes. You mentioned that you have a handbook. You mentioned that you have the original book. You also have software. I mean, if you go out to your website, slicingpie.com, there are all kinds of different tools that startups can work with. Talk to us about some of those tools. Two kinds of equity splits in the world. There's the slicing pie model and there's unfair equity splits. 
So every model in the world is unfair except for the slice and pie model. So I wanted to make the model as accessible as I could to anyone and everyone who wanted to use it. So I provided for free training videos and free downloads and access to Excel spreadsheets people could download and use it. I want this model to be used as widely as possible. And indeed, it works across cultures all over the world. There's also some paid tools. You can buy books, you can buy consulting from me, you can buy software that helps track, the, track your expenses that you don't spend. So the software basically tracks people's contributions over time and gives you a little more granularity in keeping track of your pie. If you think about a traditional business, they track what they do spend, slightly buy tracks that you don't spend. So it's a difference between using like QuickBooks, for instance, to manage your company or Excel. So the Slicify software is available for people to use, but if you don't want to buy the software, there's all kinds of free tools available. With the software in place, so with you offering software, I'm assuming that this equity model is fluid. In other words, it changes as the company grows or gains market share, loses market share, et cetera. You divide up equity in advance using static chunks of equity. I call that a fixed equity split. So when you fix your equity split and something changes, you got to go back and renegotiate. And that usually leads to a fight among the co-founders. I call it the fix and fight model. Slicify is a dynamic model, meaning it adapts and self-adjusts based on the things that change over time. So if you and I are 50-50 and we add a third person, we got to decide whose share that person comes out of. So we have to fight about what happens. In Slicify, it automatically adapts based on that person's contributions. So it's called a dynamic equity model. So basically with the slicing pie model, you're laying the groundwork for allocating equity on a rolling basis. And the contributors agree to that upfront, knowing that it could change and the software will track all that. Exactly. All equity splits change over time. So no matter what our agreement is in place on day one, it's going to change eventually. So we're going to renegotiate our split later on. We're going to add people. We're going to sell equity. It's always changing. The difference is slicing pie provides a logic for making those changes, where other changes are just based on your negotiation skills. I talked to a lot of attorneys, and uh, they estimate that 60 to 80 percent of all equity deals wind up in disputes that require legal intervention. In the 10 years I've been doing slicing pie, I've seen it work used all over the world by thousands of companies. I've never once come across a problem that I could solve. So it always gives you a set of tools to solve the problems and solve the, give you the answer of what's fair, no matter what changes. One of the things that I have seen happen sometimes is that you know, a company starts up, they're not using slicing pie model, obviously. A company starts up, they have given out so much equity for a small amount of money to someone, again, not knowing what the uh, value of the company is going to eventually be, or for a service like website development or sweat equity, whatever it might be. And you end up with all these different owners, and I put that in quotes, you end up with all these different owners, and then you get an offer. Maybe from a larger company or a competitor or whatever it might be, you get an offer and you've got all these different people to deal with during the sale. So talk to us about some of the pitfalls of getting too many people involved as owners in a early stage company and how that can impact an eventual sale. Well, that's a good point. What investors want is a clean, conflict-free cap table that makes sense. When you start selling shares to your mom and you're giving, giving them to your developers and firing people and having to keep their shares and have the thing you want to avoid mostly is one having a non-logical cap table. So one of the biggest mistakes people make is selling your shares to small investors early on. So like my mom invests and I give her ten thousand shares for ten thousand dollars. By doing so, I've just set what I call a premature valuation. I've implied that my shares are worth something, which causes all kinds of complexity down the road, including triggering un un unfavorable, unnecessary taxes. 
I've also created a complicated cap table because I might be bringing people in in different amounts over over time. Founders aren't really qualified to value their company in a meaningful way to a novice investor, which is why we have SEC rules in place. So what happens is, as people come and go, we often want to have to fight for people to leave. And we have what's called debt equity. Debt equity is someone who's not involved in the company, not an investor, and may have a bitter feeling towards the company. Those are the people who can cause problems during a major round of investment or acquisition. So if you have a disgruntled employee that left with equity, they can throw some wrenches in the, in the, in the works to, to mess up your deal. So it's like to buy everyone gets to the reserve so they shouldn't be disgruntled employees. There's basically three types of investors in a startup company. The first one is a, a participant, a founder, who invests their time in the small amounts of cash. The second one is an angel investor who invests their own money in amounts that are too small to fund your operation. Those people should be given a convertible note, which is a loan that converts to equity at a later date. And the third type is a venture capitalist professional investor who invests other people's money in amounts that are larger to fund your operation. That's the point at which you should be putting a valuation on your company. So early stage bootstrapping companies should do slicing pie for their founders, convertible notes with angel investors, and priced rounds or priced shares with venture capitalists. They'll, they'll provide a nice clean uh, cap table to the investment round and a logical conversion for your loan, your convertible loan holders. What are some of the most important lessons learned that you can share with our listeners? I mean, like I said, when I introduced you, you had so much experience in the startup community, building your own companies from scratch, helping others build their companies, taking them to sale. So you've had every phase uh, you have been involved with. What are some of the most important lessons learned that you can pass on? Well, one thing I've noticed over time is the, the reason you, our founders do this is to, is to have ownership and benefits from their work and their, their creative product and their ideas. And if, even if you're successful, a bad equity split can lead to a lot of bad feelings. I had a friend who made $5 million once on an exit for a startup. He was rich beyond his wildest dreams. He couldn't imagine making so much money. But he was absolutely irate because his partner made $300 million. Here's a company that was extremely successful in an exit, but because the equity split was unfair, one person, even though he made $5 million, felt very taken advantage of. And over the years, I've, I've, I've realized that, you know, ultimately, we want each other to get what we deserve. I've been in partnerships where I've had founders, my partners, deliberately take advantage of me. I had a partner not long, long ago that because of an obscure clause in our third operating agreement, he was allowed to buy my shares back at a low price. So he bought my shares back for, you know, under $100,000. He probably turned around and sold them for a million dollars. Now, I agreed to that. I signed it. That didn't make it fair. What's fair is I should have gotten my share of the reward, should have based my share of the bets. So even if it's legal and even if we agree to it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's fair. What's fair is that our share of the winnings, our share of the dividends or the proceeds of a sale should reflect our, our share of the commitments that are made. And more than anything else, I see that this problem is pervasive in the startup community. Some people, because of their negotiation skills or ability to take advantage of people come out come out ahead where other founders get, get short sheeted because they're not prepared for these conversations. So slicing by always helps people avoid that conversation, that situation. Any last thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with today? There's three reasons why someone would not want to use the slicing by model in a bootstrapped early stage company. The first reason is they don't get it. They've heard it, they're scratching their heads and think they think maybe it sounds okay, but there, there must be some kind of catch. That's why I do radio shows like this and I publish videos and I write blogs and I write books. My job in life is to teach everyone what they need to know about Slicify and make sure they're getting what they deserve. The second reason is they're not willing to learn it. 
you'll often come across people saying, I just want my 5% or 10%, just keep it simple. It's simpler just to give out chunks of equity. What's complicated is to unwind the problems that may cause problems. So if you find someone who's not willing to learn slicing pie, not willing to learn how to be fair, that's a good person to avoid. Mm -hmm. And the third type is a little more interesting. It's someone who does understand slicing pie, but they have an intent to take advantage of you. And this happens more often than we think. And what I recommend to start doing that is use the slicing pie as their immediate team and then decide as a team how badly you want to get taken advantage of, how desperate you are and go into those meetings with, with caution. Because sometimes you're, you are desperate for the money. And I, I always tell teams that if you're worth investing in, you'll find other investors, but sometimes things don't always work out. So either people are not, either they don't get it, they're not willing to learn it, or they want to take advantage of you. It's a good pre-screen to find a good teammate. We talked about your website a little bit and all the tools that are available out there, many of them for free, some for a cost. If I were to visit your website, where would you guide me to go first? And this is, we're talking about uh, your, your book website, the slicingpie.com. Well, at slicingpie.com, the first thing to do is to click the button for the free sample uh, The free sample is an extended version. It gives you pretty much everything you need to know to get started on it. And once you read the first chapter or two, you should have a really good feel of what the funnel is all about. The reason there are books on the topic is people need to have, have a, get a handle on how to determine fair market value. We're not always used to knowing how to pay for stuff. Um, but once you understand that and, and realize you're tracking the bets people make, it's actually a very simple system and a very simple process. So you get the free sample first and then we get on my email list and get a good good start on understanding the model. Again, slicingpie.com. Go out and sample it and then get on the newsletter list and you'll know where you can go from there. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today on this very important topic. We really appreciate your insights. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to visit the Talking Business Now website at talkingbusinessnow.com for access to all my podcasts and to sign up for the weekly Talking Business Now newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.